You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Inside Healthcare. I'm your host, NCQA Communications Director, Matt Brock. And before we begin, I have to say something I love to say, and it is that we are so excited to announce we've won an award. Communications Concepts created the Apex Awards for Publication Excellence back in 1988. We're proud to say that the NCQA communications team, including social media manager Tamia Hayes, communications specialist and our podcast producer, David J. Smolar, and I have won a 2022 Apex Award in the category of electronic media, diversity, equity, and inclusion for our continued work with NCQA's Health Equity Initiative. NCQA also won a grand award for our event, our annual event, Quality Talks 2021. So we would like to say thank you for the award and uh, keep on listening. More to come. On Inside Healthcare, we bounce around the healthcare world, bringing you stories from every angle of quality. And sometimes we dive deep into a specific medical condition. In this episode, we're talking about liver disease, but you'll soon realize there's more. This is about a silent condition, like so many, that can hit without symptoms, something that can reach anyone, no matter how in shape you think you are. We're talking about NASH, a severe form of what's still called fatty liver disease. NASH is non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. You heard it right. Non-alcoholic. Though NASH can affect people who are obese or diabetic with high cholesterol, it can also hit someone who's relatively healthy and who doesn't even drink alcohol. A few months ago, there was a great roundtable discussion about approaches to care and treatment and hopefully early diagnosis for people with NASH. In April 2022, NCQA, together with the team from Novo Nordisk, published a paper summarizing the roundtable. In our interview, we hear from Donna Cryer, president and CEO of the Global Liver Institute, and by the way, the very first ever Quality Talk speaker, and Dr. Mary Barton, NCQA vice president for performance measurement, exploring new ideas for optimal primary care for liver patients. First of all, liver diseases as a whole are under-recognized. They're undiagnosed, uh, they're misunderstood, and what little people do understand is usually wrong. Um, There are more than 100 types of liver diseases, um, of which NASH is becoming the most prominent and for women is already the number one form of the cause for liver transplants. But its symptoms early on are um, often very, uh, very subtle. They can be fatigue. They can be things that are confused with other diseases. Sometimes they elevate liver enzymes. Sometimes it doesn't. And so diagnosing fatty liver disease or or NASH in its earlier stages is very difficult. And we haven't um, until very recently had um, simple diagnostics to be able to help uh, particularly primary care physicians and and non-hepatologists to do that. So it has been 
missed in most people. Um, and that's why we're really uh, trying to shine more attention on it. Um, we find that when people know about it and doctors look for it, they're finding it more and more, um, particularly with people who have um, what we call sort of adjacent conditions, um, type 2 diabetes, obesity, um, hypertension, uh, high cholesterol, um, particularly for people with type 2 diabetes, we estimate that 70% of people with type 2 diabetes have some form of fatty liver disease or NASH. And so um, that was one of the great opportunities to um, do this work with NCQA to bring uh, endocrinologists and, and primary care doctors around the table with hepatologists to really uh, be able to um, accurately, um, you know, look at the, the patients who are at risk um, for this disease. No, I think, um, you know, what uh, Donna Cryer has just painted is a picture of a illness where you have people suffering and no one knows that they are. And you have primary care doctors and family physicians not communicating with specialists and you have specialists not communicating with primary care clinicians. And so it's really a it's an emblem of some of the things that are wrong with the American healthcare system. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's kind of emblematic, but I think that's why this white paper is really so useful because we did get those folks around the table to talk together about what could be, what could help hepatologists to realize that they will get more, um, they will do more good for the population by teaching others how to do some stuff. Because the truth of it is, today, there are not enough hepatologists in this country to see everybody with fatty liver. You know, even if, if, if somehow all the primary care docs knew, oh, fatty liver, I have to refer this patient to a hepatologist, there would not be enough. So the benefit for the hepatologists is in helping the primary care teams do a better job of diagnosis and risk stratification so that they can help take care of the people who are most affected and educate the primary care team about how to take care of the others. I'm guessing you're basing that on severity, correct? Yeah. So, well, risk stratification isn't exactly the same as severity. Severity. Donna, did you want to say something there? I, I did. I just wanted to say risk stratification was exactly the point to be talking about. Um, if we can understand and accurately characterize um, how uh, the level of risk people have to developing um, cardiovascular related complications or liver related uh, complications to progress to cirrhosis or transplant or cancer and say, well, this person uh, really just needs intense just, I shouldn't ever use that word, but this person uh, relatively uh, needs uh, less intensive services, um, but they still need services. They need care. They need access to a dietitian. Um, they need perhaps behavioral uh, health support. Whereas this person with a different uh, risk uh, score severity needs to perhaps be on a statin, have their diabetes under control. Um, another person uh, may need access to uh, bariatric surgery. Um, and then uh, others may need that referral to a hepatologist uh, for more advanced um, symptoms. You know, also with liver disease, I imagine there's a problem where folks, there's a stigma, which fair or not, uh, 
unfair, really. There's a stigma. And and sometimes folks, they, they think, I don't drink alcohol. I'm never going to have any liver problem anyway, because we all associate those two things. Uh, Donna, talk to me about that. Is that is that a challenge? I, I think all liver patients, um, no matter what caused their liver disease, unfortunately face that stigma. I think even the term non-alcoholic uh, came about because there's that underlying uh, misperception that most liver diseases are caused by alcohol use and they're not. Um, you know, I developed an autoimmune uh, condition that, that started when I was in middle school and I needed my liver transplant, uh, you know, just at the, about the same time I was graduating college. And so um, there are a hundred different types of liver disease. Fatty liver disease um, is named that for now. Um, we've just had a recent nomenclature conference, so I'll add the for now um, because uh, it is. Uh, is characterized by a uh, infiltration of fat in the liver um, of over 5%. Some people are actually of normal body weight. And so we talk about, uh, you know, people with, with lean NASH. Um, but so it's not necessarily um, directly correlated with levels of overweight and obesity. There really needs to be so much more research into what genetic drivers or environmental trigger triggers cause people to deposit fat in this uh, you know, disordered way. So then Dr. Barton, give us some, um, some of the recommendations in this paper and, and tell us how specifically NCQA can help. Well, I think NCQA has a, a bully pulpit, you know, this podcast is one example, but mm -hmm. I mean, in other ways there are, um, there, there's a broad audience of folks that listen to what NCQA says. And, you know, when I look at the white papers that we have done, you know, this really stands out as being a call to action to both the endocrine, hepatology, primary care communities to say, step up your game in recognizing this organ. Uh, and... You know, we don't have a simple, it's not a blood test like a creatinine to look at the kidneys, which everybody knows and everybody understands. It's a little more complicated, but it's not, um, you know, it's not rocket science. As Donna pointed out, you know, there is a, a sequence of tests that are available now for examining liver function. And so some of them are blood tests. Some of them are structural tests, like elastography is a test that is like an ultrasound that looks at the liver to see how, um, how springy it is. <laughs> right. It measures stiffness. So when the, when the liver is, is damaged, um, it becomes stiffer. Um, and, and you can tell that in certain mm. types of tests because of the types of waves that are, are used. And they, when they come against the stiffer cells, the damaged cells, you, you have uh, this, these higher scores that are delivered. So, Doc, beyond our, beyond our bully pulpit, which I am fully aware of, <laughs> um, is there a measurement component to this somewhere? Possibly. Well, you know, I think that when we spoke with the white paper um, roundtable participants, we became aware of a number of um, efforts by drug companies 
to create medicines that would help slow uh, liver damage. And none of these are FDA approved yet, but I believe there's multiple pharmaceutical companies who are working in this area. And I could certainly see at a time in the future when there's a care pathway that is endorsed by you know, family physicians, as well as endocrinologists, as well as hepatologists, you know, that that could be the source of um, a measure or a standard, you know, when we're talking about, um, you know, curating the guidelines that are out there to, you know, best practice pathways, that's what we want to put in our measures. And this is a situation that is on the cusp of having that, um, you know, what we tried to do today is to say, get ready, um, get aware, get the information you need, get an understanding of how your population is likely to be affected by this. And, you know, you should know who is the go-to hepatologist in your community. You should know that, you know, you should be ready to start doing some risk stratification on your own diabetic patients this illness is going to be getting a lot more attention uh, in the coming years. Donna, you're well, your person. Yes, as the person who's responsible for bringing attention to it, uh, the Global Liver <laughs> Institute coordinates International NASH Day. So I will guarantee you that there will be more attention to this. Um, but I do appreciate that NCQA has, has uh, shown its light at this point. We know that uh, I think we will have an accelerating factor. Um, we know that in order to have great quality measures, we need to outline those elements of what quality care will look like. And so this white paper and, and its focus on coordinating the care across all of the different specialists is a really crucial step for us to be able ultimately get to get to quality measures. We are seeing rapidly updating guidances and guidelines coming from multiple medical societies, not only hepatology, but endocrinology, the American Heart Association, just a fantastic, wonderful new scientific statement and series of educational materials on the cardiovascular um, implications of fatty liver disease. All those things are necessary. Also, as, as Dr. Barton pointed out, there is a huge amount of research on the drug side, but also on the diagnostic and device side. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing um, gastric balloons um, being uh, being approved uh, for for Nash and and allowing people extra time um, to for the drug development to happen. We're seeing um, you know uh, interest and use of drugs from other fields, whether from uh, antifibrotic fields from the lung space or or things coming from the diabetes space that are so welcome and, and being applied to to liver patients. And so um, these. Um, all of these energies coming together um, and being coordinated is, is so that there is more simplified diagnosis, um, more uh, treatment options for the multiplicity of factors that most patients with, with NASH have. Um, 
and then uh, ultimately a, a measurement of, of outcomes and what ongoing uh, quality care looks like. I'm really optimistic that we are putting those pieces together faster. And I think that this NCQA white paper has helped. Uh, Donna, let's talk about your doctors in your personal experience, because that's this is a call to action. And I don't want you to name names, obviously. But do you do you think do you did you see a disparity in terms of knowledgeable doctors or concerned doctors and doctors who not really? I, I think in all fairness, you know, um, many doctors uh, didn't learn about National Medical School didn't learn about fatty liver disease. And then so there was so little emphasis on it, just like there's very little nutrition education or lifestyle education um, that's available in medical school. So I think that's absolutely an opportunity for us. Um, I do have frequent conversations with my own primary care physician, simply asking him, what would what would make you test? Um, would this uh, set of risk factors be enough to test? And he's like, no, no. I'm like, what about this lever of liver enzymes? He and loves he's like, no, test. no, no. And so I, I was like, what would trigger? So I'm trying to, you know, find out. Um, I, I appreciate his his willingness to be my one person focus group um, uh, in, in primary care. And you know, in reality, the the, the GLI Nash Council has over 200 organizations um, ranging from the College of Sports Medicine, to the American uh, uh, the Heart Association, to the Association of Black Cardiologists, that we have these conversations with. Um, but being able to particularly have access to the American College of Physicians and, and American Academy of Family Physicians and primary care, where, as you've pointed out, Dr. Barton, the, you know, the, the rubber really meets the road there in family care and primary care. And so being able to constantly iterate for them, you know, is this easy enough to diagnose? Is this does this test fit into your uh, clinical workflow? We are having you know many high quality tests being developed, but unless they fit into the clinical workflow, we know that they're not going to be used and and feasible. And so, um, everything from the name of the disease to how easy it is to test for to how uh, what type of multidisciplinary um, team needs to be a part um, of of physician strategies for, for their patients um, are all things that are being, you know, actively developed. Um, and as a patient, I'm really, um, you know, excited and honored to be in the middle of those conversations, leading many of them um, and inviting other patients um, who are living with various uh, stages of NASH into those conversations as well to define this field. It sounds like it's very exciting, uh, Doc. It sounds like that uh, there's a, a, a sort of momentum starting here. You spoke about the shortage uh, of specialists that probably, as I understand, doesn't just apply to this field, but that's happening across the board. And so I imagine there's a trend here and maybe a little competition to get into the primary care routine. You understand? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think you're absolutely right that the requirement the the requirements on primary care are just getting higher and higher 
And there's no doubt that there is a mismatch between how much responsibility we put on primary care and how much we pay primary care. But that is a topic for another day. Because <laughs> this is really um, this is really about how for this one condition, how can we improve care, improve knowledge, improve patient outcomes by setting up ways for information to flow. You know, I think that that key that, you know, I just sort of tossed off that you should know who's the good hepatologist in your region. Like that would be a step that would really, if you could create an information flow that was Mm bi-directional where you had, you know, your hardest cases, you knew who to call and you called them on the Mm -hmm. phone and they said, Hey, you know, I just learned this at the national conference, you know, we should also talk about, you know, X with this patient, you know, that's Mm -hmm. just the kind of um, collaborative care that I think will take, um, it takes some of the responsibility off of primary care because they don't have to come up with all the answers themselves. It enables the hepatologist to spread their information more widely because they can be a specialist resource to a number of practices. We have to make it so it's a win for both folks, right? And I think that this is a situation where we could make it a win for both primary care and for the specialists. So on that note, Doc, the key takeaway from this paper? I think the fact that we need to improve coordination of care, both with you know, patients and their caregivers understanding what's coming next and what's needed of them and what is in your team, whether it's, you know, dietitians, primary care, nursing staff, that you're all uh, singing from the same choir book, you know, and as well as the endocrinologists and the hepatologists who you might be referring the patient to. There's nothing that undermines trust more than for a patient to be told one thing by one clinician and then they go somewhere else and they sound totally different. We don't need to uh, shoot ourselves in the foot here. Donna Cryer, president and CEO of the Global Liver Institute, and Dr. Mary Barton, NCQA vice president for performance measurement with hope for early diagnosis and treatment of a difficult liver disease. If you'd like to download and study the paper, it's available through our website, www.ncqa.org. Just search white papers. You can also just click the link in this episode's description in your podcast app. And now it's time for some Matt's Facts. A few tidbits to know, share, and spread around. Today, we're grabbing some facts about, you guessed it, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, also known as NAFLD. And these stats are taken right from that paper we've been talking about. Remember that NASH is a severe type of NAFLD. First off, I'll tell you, NAFLD affects nearly a quarter of the entire U.S. population, with NASH possibly affecting up to six and a half percent of American adults. As many as 30 to 40 percent of those with type 2 diabetes have NASH, and 10 to 20 percent have clinically significant fibrosis. That's when the liver stiffens and is scarred. As for healthcare, in the years just following diagnosis, those fatty liver patients who are insured 
end up paying 80% more for their care compared to similar patients without the disease. And as trends toward obesity and type 2 diabetes increase, NASH diagnoses rise. More bad news, the paper's authors referenced a Milliman research project saying in 2020, there were approximately 8,219 liver transplants in the United States, and the estimated charges for each exceeded $878,000, nearly a million dollars a liver. For more on this research and inspiring ideas on improving primary care physicians' understanding of NASH and related diseases, click that link, grab that paper, have a read, and please pass it around to some friends. Well, have any plans for November? No, we're not talking turkey here. We mean the start of November. When you're coming to D.C. for NCQA's inaugural four-day in-person Health Innovation Summit, come to our fantastic convention from October 31st through November 3rd, held at the Marriott Marquis Hotel in the nation's capital. There will be webinars, trainings, breakfast, breakout sessions, everything you expect, especially opportunities to network. And, of course, the convention floor will have vendors' booths from across the healthcare spectrum. There may even, and no spoilers here, be live recording sessions of this very show, and you could be a guest. So line up, sign up, get on board as a speaker, vendor, sponsor, participant. So many ways to join in and tell people about your work, find new venture partners, and spread the word about your world. To register and find out more, go to www.ncqasummit.com. So, how's the show so far? Well, whatever you're saying or thinking, we want to know. Drop us a line at communications at ncqa.org. Nothing to say, really? Well, here's a thought for you to chew on. What are some positive reinforcements you could use to encourage someone who's maybe out of shape to get in shape? Not as easy as it sounds, but as we learned today, obesity can really do a number on the body over time. Share your thoughts at communications at ncqa.org. And that wraps it up for Inside Healthcare, another great episode in the book. Starting in August, you'll hear more about our upcoming Health Innovation Summit with Summit speakers coming on to catch us up on the latest and greatest in healthcare. Keep it tuned to the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Listen back on past shows you've missed. And as always, thanks for spreading the word. And you might think about leaving us a positive review. For our writer-producer, Dave Smallar, and the entire award-winning NCQA communications team, I'm communications director, Matt Brock. We'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast.